You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Good morning. Guten Tag. Mm-hmm. Or guten Morgen, mm-hmm. as would be more fitting because you greeted me with good morning. And yeah. guten Morgen, as far as I understand, is the German for good morning. Probably. It sounds like it would be. Yeah. A little follow-up to an old story. Oh. A follow-up to an old intro. It's funny how we can do that. <laughs> Knowing us. Recently, this past week, at the time of this recording anyway, I went to the dentist. This is my dentist follow-up. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, because we talked about flossing and whether or not they can properly identify Mm -hmm. whether you have been engaging in this allegedly crucial habit. Exactly. And I have really nothing helpful to report in that area. (laughs) You know, because I was like kind of flossing better than usual and no one commented specifically on it. I'm like, okay, well, no new data this Mm. time. See you in six months. Um, <laughs> but I had a surprisingly good experience. Probably the best experience I've ever had. Really? At the dentist. Yes. Wow. Um, and I was not expecting this good experience, <laughs> right? Because like, it's been a while, right? So I've not had insurance that covers this. And guess what? I still don't. Um, so I'm like, well, maybe I just don't go for two years. <laughs> it's been a long time. I've missed many appointments that just I didn't make. And I was experiencing some some discomfort. Mild. That might probably even too strong to say that. And it's very conditional, very specific, difficult to recreate. I'm like, oh, that's weird. But I'm living on a record of 28 years of never having a single problem. I've never right. had a tooth problem in my entire life. It's a strange, strange gift. God is probably like, you have too many anxiety issues. You can have good teeth. Probably it's how I was doled out. But I'm like, oh no, my record is ruined. I will most certainly have 10 cavities. I, I was pretty committed. I'm like, I can't afford whatever this is going to be. Please have a payment plan. Turns out it was fine. Good Amazing. Report, no issues. So that was unexpected. Couldn't explain the sensitivity. It's probably like, you know what? You're just sensitive. I'm like, oh yeah, well, I knew that. <laughs> like the answer is just yes, I know. In every, I know that. No one needs to tell me. Good report though. That was a relief. In fact, I was, I really thinking this is like the last time I'm going to go here, right? Because if I move in the opposite direction, I already don't like this drive. Sure. It's such a good experience. I don't care if I move. Yeah. I'm going back. How about that? Six months. Hey, I'm going to be responsible. I'm going back to the dentist in six months. <laughs> Who would have thought I said that? But I am now. It was great. It was great. Uh, I mean, what made it so great instead Actually, of even just, mm, you know, oh, it was a dentist visit and they said I had good teeth. And- I have the answer to this. It's very specific. Okay. My hygienist was yeah. amazing. Yeah. So I really have this, a tortured history of like, uh, this has got to be universal. Surely I'm not the only one. When someone else flosses your teeth, Ooh. not great. Yeah. No one seems to do a good job. They seem to forget your gums have nerves in them. <laughs> And they, they, they slam the floss into the, the gum bed at like Mach 3. It's so painful. It's so painful. It's like they are trying to cut all the way to your jawbone. I do find it to be that painful. They're like just, wham. It hurts so much. And, I'm, and I just have to like, like, you can't grit your teeth because they're inside your mouth. So I'm like curling my toes and bawling my fists as much as possible. Like maybe I'll fracture like a toe or something. It hurts so much. And um, this person was the, it was just an angel of floss. She was so good at it. She's like, I know that you're a human being and just floss like a normal human being. Like this is how you would floss your teeth because you have nerves. Oh, it was a great experience. So when I go back, I'm like, it has to be the same person. It was so. In fact, I'm probably going to call today and say, who was it? Please tell them that they are great. <laughs> oh, that was funny. Yeah. For some reason. What an because, experience. Because interestingly enough, my hygienist, 
whom I've had for years. Mm-hmm. She has been the hygienist that has cleaned my teeth since I was a child. Wow. And she has always been great with the flossing as well. Oh, wow. Notably. That's rare. Like, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> That's rare. It's hard to According find. According to your story, I, I guess My stats are pretty rough. Because <laughs> uh, I never walk out of uh, flossing bleeding oh, after right, she's right. done it or mm-hmm. anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, well, I'm glad you had a good experience and that yeah. there wasn't an F-22 fighter jet slamming into your teeth. Yeah, wow. As far as the floss goes. Yeah, usually, it's how it goes. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. man. What well, a trip. What a trip, indeed. That was a good trip, so... <sighs> so you didn't have any arguments with your hygienist? You weren't, like, ready to write them a bad report or a bad review no, or anything? No, it was very pleasant. Yeah. Pleasant in every way. Well, I recently revisited an experience that two guys had where they, they did not feel that way when they were, no. when were done. Where they were, mm. they were saying... Well, I'll just say they had something of an intense fellowship. Okay. I yeah, see what that is. These two biblical scholars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by intense fellowship, that's the Christian way of saying that these two men had a something of a small feud. <laughs> right. And Christian fellowship, intense fellowship. It's we're, like. Uh, we're not arguing, honey. We're discussing. Yeah. <laughs> forcefully. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. David Bentley Hart mm-hmm. is a brilliant Eastern Orthodox theologian. Probably one of the smartest men alive on this planet right now. Like, that's probably not an exaggeration. Absolutely brilliant. Hmm. He, a few years ago, 2018, published a, in his own words, pitilessly literal translation of the New Testament. (laughs) The self-described, huh? Pitilessly literal. Wow. Pitilessly described. Yeah. (laughs) So, just to give you a flavor of what we're talking about here with his translation. Here's how the ESV renders Mark chapter 1, Verses 40 to 41. Mm-hmm. And a leper came to him, that is Jesus, imploring him and kneeling said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. Straightforward enough, right? Mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. make sense of that. It's verb tenses all agree and... It's concise. Yeah, exactly. Well, here's how Hart translated that same passage. Okay. And a leper comes to him, imploring him, and falling to his knees, saying to him, If you wish it, you are able to cleanse me. And moved inwardly with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and says to him, I wish it, be clean. It's frustrating. Yeah, you can... You can... You can feel the difference, right? Yeah. Hart made no attempt to clean up the Greek. Mm. You know, where Mark wrote bad Greek, which he did. (laughs) Bad Greek. It comes out in Hart's translation as bad English. Yeah, more Um, or less. You know what I mean? It's a rather shocking experience to read Hart's translation. It reminds me of like when you're left uh, to write your research paper in the 11th hour. (laughs) And, and to avoid, like, very, very obvious plagiarism from, like, Wikipedia. You're like, okay, I'm going to just say the exact same thing, but in the most cumbersome way known to man. It, it almost feels like you had AI rewrite the verse and moved inwardly uh, with compassion. It's, what? Did you say that? says to him... It's so difficult. It sounds like a caveman, like talking. You know what I mean? Like and moved and moved with compassion, like all these. A weirdly philosophical caveman. (laughs) Uh, So 
you have that going on. Well, shortly after he published this translation, N.T. Wright. Oh, hello. My best friend, Tom Wright. That's a little joke. Another obviously eminent biblical scholar. He's also one of the most brilliant Mm -hmm. men who's alive on this planet right now of the Anglican tradition. He came up with a rather scathing review of Hart's translation in the understated British way. Okay. (laughs) That makes sense. We say, I say scathing and you're thinking you know something bombastic. It's like, you know, putting up his monocle or whatever, sipping his tea. He's like, no, I I have a strong disagreements with, you know, or however he would do that. Uh, His basic point was that Hart was, in his own words, trying to really strip away all of our English conventions Mm. and get us to, like, the original text as close as could be done in a translation. I see. And Wright's point, what he was trying to say was that Hart was actually obscuring the meaning of the original texts because there is no such thing as a truly literal one-to-one word-for-word precise translation of any language Mm -hmm. into another language. Right, yeah. So Hart was naturally a bit bothered by this review, um, (laughs) not least because Wright himself has published a translation of the New Testament. So it felt kind of like that's bad form. You know, you have a translation out there and you're talking. Yeah, like you're going to tell people not to buy mine, but you want them to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyway, so Hart wrote a response, of course, and so it felt a little bit like a turf war, you know, albeit a humane, scholarly, I mean, almost charming turf war when you read their their comments. Uh, I hope your tobacco pipe goes out just as you sit down to write. (laughs) Yep. I mean, that's that's basically the kind of stuff that they're, you know, doing. So, at the end of the day, they each stood their ground. So, like, Wright kept to his translation philosophy, which... What he was doing was not like Hart at all. He wanted to take the New Testament Greek and translate it into English. Mm -hmm. And Hart stuck to his philosophy, which is to take the New Testament Greek and translate it in English, um, as another astute scholar noted. Because that's it. Like, Greek is weird because, like in English, we typically follow, like, for example, like a word order. Like, your sentence has to have a certain structure. Like, Mm -hmm. you typically have, like, subject, verb, object, right? Like, well, we'll get into that later because it's going to touch into some other stuff. Why do I bring this up at all? I guess is, you know, probably the question some people like, who, yeah. who cares about this? You know, this is feuds. Who knows? Yeah, it's like, you know, it's a relatively small portion of Christendom that really was tuned into this debate when it was happening. Most people don't really remember it anyway. Mm-hmm. It seemed kind of niche. You know, like, yeah. what's, what's the deal? Why are, we, why are we talking about this on the podcast? <laughs> why well, bring this up? Because it all touches on a topic that is of great importance to Christians everywhere. And that is, can we trust our translated Bibles? Uh-huh. I actually, this question came up in a different form when I was teaching the Academy recently at the Lost Creek campus. Mm -hmm. It's a very good question and a very reasonable question given these kinds of things, which is why I bring this all up. Because you kind of start to wonder, can we have confidence that even though we're not reading the original Hebrew or Greek, that we're still getting what the author wanted us to get out of what he wrote? Like, can we understand what he meant? The meaning, the intent. Yeah. Yeah. What was he trying to communicate and can we understand that? Right. Because you see what I think unintentionally happens in a lot of cases today is that you would have something like this debate, where two guys are producing translations, and each one is saying that the others is really not all that good, and that they're flawed for X, Y, or Z reasons. And you have situations where pastors get up and say things like, now, the word in your Bible translated as faith in the Greek is pistis, and it means faith, you know, or something like that's what they should be saying. But what they end up saying is like, oh, now this Greek word translated in your Bible as this actually means yeah. da 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 It wasn't so long ago I actually heard something like that. I'm like, whoa, buddy. Yeah. And you go on and on and on. And the result is that 
whether consciously or subconsciously, people will probably start wondering, is my English Bible actually any good mm. at communicating the original intent of the authors? Yeah, and especially I think when you when you start off with this kind of discussion between these two scholars, if I'm able to sit here, specifically not a scholar, yeah. and kind of complain about Hart's robotic translation, then, <laughs> you know, if I'm able to do that with such ease, then what's to stop me applying that same attitude when comparing like the ESV and the NLT, for instance, you yeah, know, like some popular right. choices, and where does that argument lead me? Mm-hmm. So I I can see I can see the slippery slope here. You do you kind of start wondering like what am I supposed to make of that? Mm-hmm. Like can I trust the, the Bible that I read? And I want to try to answer that question in short, as we do. You know, the short answer to that question is yes. You really you can trust it. You can trust your English Bibles. Now again, I bring all this up to say it is helpful to know exactly what you're getting out of any given translation. Like what does this particular translation bring to the table? Yeah, exactly. And this comes back to what I was hinting at earlier, where I almost got ahead of myself, as I tend to do. <laughs> My mind runs like a rabbit or something ridiculous. The primary point is, truly, there isn't any way to create an exact, precise, one-to-one translation of any language into another. Right. Which, when you hear that on the surface, at first can sound alarming, because you start thinking like... It's impossible. Yeah, like, well, we can't understand anything in translation. Like, you just have to learn the languages, right? Right, right, right. No, you... You don't. The problem with language, it's not really a problem. It's a feature of language, I guess. I don't know. Language, it's just, it just is never as simple as this word means or signifies or denotes that. Mm-hmm. Language it often represents not just a set of meanings to certain sets of words. Language often represents entire systems of thought. Oh, wow. I mean, things get codified into language. Yeah. Let's just take a semi-innocent example. If you take the times that Jesus simply calls his mother woman (laughs) in the Gospel of John, he uses the Greek word that we would translate more roughly, literally, woman, okay? Mm -hmm. That translation is accurate. So, like, if you translate it woman, which is what the ESV does. But to us, (laughs) you hear that in the English-speaking world, and you think, that doesn't sound very warm or caring or loving, right? Right. I don't don't look at my... Mother and say, woman? Never in a million you know, like, years. When, when you hear the word woman, that's what you think. You think, woman? Yeah. If you're talking to your mother like that. But that wasn't a problem in the Greek. Like, that just, it didn't have those oh, connotations. Right. It didn't have those associations. That wasn't part of their system of thought. So, this brings us to the two primary differences in translation philosophy, okay? On the one hand, you have what's called dynamic equivalence. And what you're going for with a translation that does that is you're trying to see the thought underlying the words and the sentences and the paragraphs, right? It's like, sometimes they say thought for thought. The other end is formal equivalence, and that's going to try to get as close to word for word as possible, even with a sentence structure. So this is this is like exactly what we're seeing in the aforementioned turf war. Yeah, and it's funny because both those men would claim they were trying to go for formal equivalence, both really? of them. Yeah, but the thing is, is that Hart was saying, no, I'm actually going for formal, and Wright is going for dynamic. Okay, okay. But they're both actually saying, saying, no, 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 we're going for formal. (laughs) It's very interesting. That's just another dynamic to talk about later. But for example, the New Living Translation is pretty far on the dynamic scale, to use a translation you mentioned. And the ESV is pretty far on the formal side. Mm -hmm. So the ESV translates Jesus' interaction with his mom in John 2, 4 as this. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? (laughs) I feel that. Now, here's how the NLT did it. Dear woman, that's not our problem. Wow, that is... Stark. Right. Yeah. There is like a difference there. And part of this also, too, is how we read texts because you 
unless there are certain obvious markers, you kind of have to provide inflection and intonation. And this would be another podcast for another time, but how we read texts aloud or in our head is part of how we interpret them too. So it's Mm -hmm. not even just like, oh, what does that word mean? It's like, how are you reading it? Yeah. mm -hmm. Like with your tone. Like when I read scripture aloud, like when I'm preaching, I take into account, I go through the passage, like how do I want to read this out loud? Because that's going to help interpret passage as well. Yeah, it could really affect how people receive it. Exactly. So you can feel the difference even in how they handle this verse. Now, you would notice, I think, that neither of those changes mess with the overall meaning of the verse. Like, you're not getting this stark, like, wow, that completely flipped (laughs) what's happening here. So, in other words, I mean, you could trust either one. And the good news is that the majority of our translations were done by linguistic scholars who worked on committees who really do know what they're doing. Any of the major translations, you could trust. There are a couple exceptions that most people haven't even heard of, so I'm not even going to bother mentioning them. (laughs) But, like, you know, your NIV, ESV, NLT, NASB, HCSB, you can trust those Mm. translations. And they're all, again, I think it's just helpful to read about them and know what are you getting when you come to these translations? Are you getting something that's more dynamic? Are you getting something that's more formal? Are you getting something that kind of tries to ride the middle between those two, like the HCSB kind of tries to thread the needle there. And the HCSB is pretty good translation. I like it. It's interesting because even beyond the word choice, say, for example, the way that you would convey thought, so this comes back to like how language is its own system of thought, is different. So like in English, I'll come back to that example again. So like we have a particular word or subject, verb, object would be a typical example. Mm -hmm. So that would be something like, you know, Ethan throws the ball. I was weirdly thinking of the same simple sentence. Were you really? Yeah. Not necessarily with my name. That's kind of weird. There's yeah. something in the air. Yeah, there is. Or okay. like throwing thoughts back and forth. But that's very simple. You know, the subject is Ethan. Yeah. And he what is he, what is he doing? What's the verb? Well, he's throwing. Well, what is he throwing? Mm-hmm. The ball. I'm Ethan always, throws always the ball. Throwing him. And if you want to get really fancy, you can have an indirect object. Ethan throws the ball to Josiah. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're known for that. Yeah, yeah, you're right, right. So, like, if you flip that up, the ball throws Ethan <laughs> to Josiah. Victim again. Whoa, that changed the meaning of the sentence, yes. right? Like you, what, how is the ball throwing Ethan? <laughs> yeah, mm. Like what is this, what is what this superhuman autonomous ball, you know, that's here to take over the world? Greek, not like that. Mm. There is no set word order. None at all? Because no. when, you, when you learn a foreign language, you will experience a new structure oftentimes. Yeah. Or at least I've experienced that. Right. But there is a, still a specific structure. There's still a correct way to form your sentences. Yeah. So Greek, the word order, you can basically do whatever you want. What on earth? Because Greek, as a language, their words, and this is really elementary Greek, so <laughs> Buckle don't, up. you know, but like it's all based on case endings. So like your nouns inflect and your verbs inflect. And so like that would mean if you wanted to emphasize something, like let's say you wanted to emphasize the result of something. Well, we would typically put the result, like, let's say, at the end of a sentence. Mm. Well, let's say the author really wanted to emphasize that. Well, he could put it at the beginning, out of order, like, and put all, and he could just flip his words it's like all a around. Free form structure. Yeah, and you can you figure out how to translate it based on the endings of the words, and you figure out, oh, like, well, this word that's way at the end of the sentence is actually the subject, and the object's in the middle, and the verb's over here. So it communicates completely different. And if you did that in English. It wouldn't work. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't do that. And so, even, like, just the way you think, like, you're thinking Greek, you know? Like, we think English, right? if that makes sense. Like, we think in a certain order. And I'm just saying all to say is, like, yeah, like, there are certain things that don't translate. But that doesn't mean that everything's lost in translation, is my point. You know, you always are... I don't even want to use the word losing, but like you're, you are dealing with something different. 
But the other thing to say about this is that we do believe that God has supernaturally preserved scripture. It's his word. It's the living and abiding word of God. So all that is to say is like, you can understand scripture and you can trust your English Bibles. Like we believe, you know, the Holy Spirit is guiding that process. And it is amazing. So like, if you take... Well, let me close with this. If you want to do like a a careful study of a passage, you want to stick to something that's going to be closer on the formal scale, like closer to word for word, because it's going to help you get closer to what was being said by the author in the original text. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're reading long stretches of passages and you want to get a faster feel for them, pick up like the NLT Mm -hmm. and read through it, or even the message. I know the message gets a lot of hate, but um, it can be helpful for something like that. Mm -hmm. Now, here's where... I want to say this, the best yet would be to read multiple translations and note the differences because on the one hand, I think you'll be shocked at how similar they are. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like where how like, oh yeah, like they really did make a lot of the same choices. And then where you see differences, you will oftentimes get a lot of rewarding results out of asking questions about, well, why did they translate this word this way? Like why did the ESV go this route and why did the NLT go this route and why did the NIV go this route? Yeah, Yeah. And you end up actually end up striking a lot of gold in asking those questions. And so all that is to say is you can trust your English translations. Like you are hearing the word of God and God will use it to pierce to the division of the soul, the spirit and bring you to to Christ. So yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. And uh, if you really want to be fancy, Mm. you get some cool Bible software tools like Logos and you uh, can use like the text comparison tool, which I think you could do this with the free version even. It's Um, like a digital parallel Bible. Yeah. Yeah. So Logos Bible software, I could do a whole episode on that, but Mm -hmm. it would only be cool for me. But they have a tool where you can take any Bibles you want and put them in like in a pane and it'll parallel all of them. Ah. But then what it does is it will filter the differences and tell you, oh, there's like a 17.1% difference between the ESV and whatever translations Whoa. you picked. And you can filter it even to say, show me which words, yeah, yeah, highlight yeah, yeah. which words are different, cross out where they like omitted like this word and chose to do something else. And it's really cool to see how that actually plays out when you got them all side by side like that. Yeah. You know, because the other option is to literally just grab five physical Bibles <laughs> or seven or whatever and lay them out, but that's right. a lot more work. And, um, but anyway, mm. you know, the debates between heart and right and all these translations aside, you can trust your Bibles mm. on these fronts and read them and know that you're you're getting the word of God. That's um, good. Yeah, it, that is good. <laughs> Eminently good. Very good. Very good indeed. So, thank you as always for listening. We didn't have any debate here. No no quorum or quarrel here. No, pretty chill. Yeah, pretty chill. So, if uh, you liked that and you found that helpful, <laughs> <laughs> you can leave us a good five-star review. No wow. understated British reviews here. No, preferably not. Yes. And the uh, podcast place in your little iTunes thing or whatever they call it these days. Wherever you listen. Yep. And uh, if you have any questions on this or any other topic, as always, you can email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net or you can interact with us on social media. Thank you as always for listening. Happy Bible reading. And we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.